listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. Wow. Wow. I am so happy to be back on the podcast with you guys again today. Feels like forever since I've uh, been on a podcast with you guys and um, just feels good to be back. Feels good to have you listening. Um, You're like, what have you been doing? Where you been? Well, we just finished Worship Summit 2019 um, and I had a blast. Man, I like so enjoy pouring into hungry people and that's what we had there was truly hungry people that were ready to go to another level and uh, it was off the chart so I am so happy uh, about how the all the sessions went at worship summit and then we did a live concert recording for an album on uh, on the Friday night and man this album is gonna be boss I can't wait uh, for you guys to hear it and uh, we're working now just at the very, very, very beginning stages of post-production for this album. So um, I'm hoping that by late fall, we can drop this album on iTunes and Google Play, Spotify, Apple Music, all the outlets, um, CD, cassette tape, 8-track, record, however <laughs> we can get it out. I'm really hoping to get it out by late fall for you guys. I would love for you to have it. By then, it would be great. But I'm so excited for you to hear it, it came out. I mean, it was so anointed, man. The 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 team, the singers were off the chart. The band, it was just an excellent night. So uh, that's what we've been doing, and I've just been been traveling hardcore. Did the worship summit, and um, it was great. We are going to make it available to you guys, by the way, digitally. Um, I'm going to put it up on Miracle Word University. All the video of all the sessions, uh, it's going to go up. And we'll make it available as a course for you guys that weren't able to make it, but would still like to get in on um, the entire summit. Uh, We're going to make that available for you, all the video sessions. So we'll give you a heads up when that happens. And uh, it's going to be good. It's going to be really good. We're we're already reformulating and uh, coming up with new ideas for next year. Worship Summit 2020. I can't believe we're in the year 2020 almost already. But it's going to be killer. And um, I can't wait. I can't wait to see what what God does with it, and especially this live album. It's going to be off the chart, man. I'm I'm so excited. So today, um, I'm back. It's Tuesday. If you're listening to it on the day it was recorded, um, I really just having run so much, like nonstop. I've been all over the world in the first quarter of the year. I took yesterday, Monday, was my first real day to relax uh, and have a day to myself for the first time in months. So. Um, I took that and then, so we're catching up today and tomorrow, uh, podcasts are back, broadcasts are back. By the way, if you missed today's Facebook live broadcast, you've got to go back and listen. Um, I talked about, uh, actually I had planned to talk about something else and the Holy Spirit took us in a completely different direction and it was amazing. And I believe we called it why most Christians don't increase. And it is an eye opener. And if you didn't get a chance to listen, go back to my Facebook page and check out uh, that video, Why Most Christians Don't Increase. It'll change your views on a lot of things, and uh, it'll help you too. Today on the podcast, 
I want to deal with a very interesting subject, which is three relationships you must have um, to succeed. Three relationships you must have in order to succeed in life. And um, I want to talk about these um, more along the lines from like the Apostle Paul um, and, and kind of show you some things um, that have got to be in place in your life. Because here's the deal. One of the biggest reasons that people fail to succeed, and, and you know this to be true, is that many times people do not feel fulfilled in their life. They don't feel fulfilled. And when you don't feel fulfilled, there's always this um, emptiness that's in your life. And, you know, whether it be the fact that you hate your job or, you know, you don't care for your coworkers or you don't, you know, you're not happy with your family life or whatever it might be, you just feel totally unfulfilled. And when people feel that way, um, it's easy to get weary in well-doing. And then many, many, many people end up quitting, which is, you know, you can't do that. You cannot quit. Um, but the reason being is so many people feel unfulfilled with their life and they get burnout and, and we dealt with burnout in another podcast episode, but you know, you cannot live your whole life feeling unfulfilled when God has a life plan for you that will fulfill you. You know, and, and one of the reasons that most people don't, you know, I was listening to a guy the other day, I think I mentioned this on the uh, podcast in an earlier episode, but this guy who is a military guy, I believe he's a Marine. And he was saying that if you want to start your day off, right. And this kind of blew people's minds, but he, he, he was basically saying, if you want to start your day off, right, then start your day by making your bed. And then like blows people like, what are you, what is he even talking about? You know, why would you talk about making your bed? But one of the things that obviously even the military has discovered psychologically is that by just, and he talked about it just by completing that one small task in the morning, you give yourself a sense of accomplishment at the very top of your day. So there is a psychological difference between leaving your bedroom messy and, and leaving your bedroom tidier in shape. And he said, just by making your bed in the morning, it gives you a psychological boost and advantage and a sense of accomplishment. Um, and then he, what, he, what he was talking about was that it sets you on a course for the rest of your day to accomplish and to co- complete tasks and to uh, succeed in your purpose. And uh, obviously order He's talking about order, which is, you know, that's not a man-made principle. It's a heavenly principle. You know, God took chaos and from it brought divine order. So it's, you know, order doesn't belong to men. It belongs to God. But we understand that we're made in the likeness and the image of God, which is why we crave order and we try to push away from chaos and disorder. So He was saying that at the beginning of the day, you know, one of the things that'll help you feel fulfilled through the rest of the day and have a sense of accomplishment is just something as simple as that. Now, it's interesting that that human beings crave fulfillment and crave that sense of accomplishment. So today, the reason that I'm doing this uh, episode on the three relationships that you must have to succeed and feel fulfilled in your life is because even if you're lacking one of these, you can sense that 
unfulfillment or dissatisfaction creeping into your life because, and here's why, you were created to take part in all three of these types of relationships. So the reason that I wanted to show you this today is because if all three of these types of relationships are not present in your life, that's where you start having that creep in unfulfillment, dissatisfaction in life. And you don't want to go there. You don't want to allow that to happen. And then you start getting weary and well-doing because of unfulfillment. God wants you to live a completely fulfilled life that he's planned for you. But these three relationships are actually things designed by God to keep you in a place of uh, promotion, fulfillment, and success. And so I want to deal with them, and I'm actually going to deal with them from the top down. So let's jump into this. The first type of relationship that you must have present in your life is the mentor relationship, the mentor relationship or impartation from the top. I would define that, you know, the mentor relationship, I would define that as impartation from the top. And if we look at the life of, you know, the Apostle Paul, we can see that the Apostle Paul was without question one of the most, I mean, I would say outside of Jesus, he was the most educated uh, man in the New Testament, without question. I mean, the guy was so well-versed in Jewish custom, in the law, in the Old Testament, the prophets, the law, the poets. He was so well-versed, and there's a reason for that. Um, The Bible tells us that if you look at Paul's training or his history, that he sat at the very feet of a man named Gamaliel, who even to this day is considered one of the greatest teachers of Judaic Uh, you know, like the Judeo faith, the Judaic faith to this day in Judaism, Gamaliel, a legend uh, as a teacher. And Paul didn't learn, you know, secondhand. He actually sat at the feet of Gamaliel. So literally was like an understudy of this amazing teacher of Jewish law and taught the Torah and, you know, all of the everything that goes along with it. And and that's why Paul had the ability to debate. I mean, he, he was like a monster when it came to education. He was so wise. But the thing was, if you go on further, Paul even understood that, you know, my education um, that I got through Gamaliel is not enough in the Christian faith. It was in the Judeo, you know, the, in, in Judaism, it was enough, but in Christianity, it was not enough because that's why Paul wrote to the Corinthian church and said to them in first Corinthians two, I believe it's verse four. He said, I don't come to you with the enticing words of men's wisdom, but in the power and demonstration of the Holy ghost so that your faith will not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. So although Paul was the most educated man in the new Testament, probably outside of Jesus, I mean, a genius, he didn't rest on that wisdom or knowledge. He rested on the power of the Holy Ghost. And in fact, if you study all of the work Paul did throughout the New Testament, actually his least successful endeavor was in Athens when he tried to debate and use philosophy to bring people to the knowledge of Jesus Christ. He didn't have any converts. And that's because he was going against what he felt to do, which was to use the power of God versus the wisdom of men. 
However, Paul had that wisdom and sat at the feet of Gamaliel, who imparted to him uh, the traditions, customs, and teaching of the Jewish people. But then, when Paul became a believer, you know, on the road to Damascus, the Bible says that Christ spoke to him and, you know, called him into the kingdom, turned him from Saul into Paul. And it was at that point that Paul began to study the teachings of Christ. So Gamaliel was his natural teacher, but then Christ was his supernatural teacher. In fact, Paul had a very interesting um, life because he was called up into heaven, the Bible says, literally called into heaven. He said, I don't know if I was in my body or if I was out of my body. He said it was that real, but he was called up into the third heaven and uh, had experience personally with Christ. So the first relationship that you must have to succeed is the mentor relationship or the impartation from the top relationship. There should be someone in your life who is doing what you feel called to do at a higher level than you are, much higher, that has the ability to then impart to you, to speak to you about what you need to be doing, who is able to give you wisdom and understanding, to instruct you, to correct you if need be. And if if you don't have someone like that now, you personally need to seek them out. Because understand this, spiritual fathers don't seek out spiritual sons. It's the opposite. Spiritual sons are supposed to be seeking out fathers. Fathers aren't going looking for sons. Because see, that that's the, the reason it's opposite is because that shows that the son does not value or honor the relationship enough to seek it out personally. If, if a father or a mentor has to come find you and start instructing you, and this is the reason it doesn't operate this way, it's, you know, you, if you start to get, it's, uh, let me give you an analogy. It's like if any of you know or have played golf, there's always that golfer that wants to pull you aside and give you lessons during the match, during the round. Like, oh, let me tell you what you're doing wrong with your swing. If you, I never asked you for help. I didn't ask you to instruct me. I didn't ask you for a golf lesson. I just came here to play. So see, when that golfer tries to come correct me and I didn't ask for it, he's trying to be a mentor to me that I didn't ask for. And all that it, um, all that it, all, all that takes place inside me is resentment because I didn't ask you to correct me. I didn't ask you to teach me. I didn't ask you to take me aside and show me what you knew. However, when I decide that I want to get better at golf, I will then seek out a mentor and I will find a golf pro at a course somewhere. And you know what I'll do now? I will pay the guy a hundred dollars a lesson, you know, or whatever, whatever they uh, agree with you on. I'm now paying him a hundred dollars a lesson. He didn't come to find me. I went to find him. And not only did I go to find him, but I so value what he has to say that I am willing to sow into him as it were. I'm paying him in this case. But for example, if it's a spiritual mentor, I'm willing to sow personally into your life to receive the wisdom. And see, that shows that they know now you're serious about receiving something. 
because the Bible teaches this principle. Where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. So you only put your treasure where your heart is. Meaning you're not going to pay money for something you don't care about. So when they see, you know, that's that's why I always attach. Because I attach value to what I'm receiving. So understand, if I'm seeking out, uh, you know, a mentor and I have, you know, I want to sow into them. I want to be a blessing to them. Not to mention it's a spiritual principle. Paul taught the church in Corinth that if there's a man of God who ministers spiritual things to you, it is your responsibility to minister natural things, payment back to them as a show of honor. Paul taught that. So I've got no problem with that. When I find somebody that's years and years beyond where I'm at that has wisdom for me, I'm seeking them out, number one. And number two, I have a desire to sow into their life to minister to them natural things after they've ministered spiritual things. And that also shows honor. You know, it shows honor. And you know, in the world we have, the honor is set for us. You know, if you're going to go see a golf pro, the honor is already set in the price he's given you. You know, if you want an hour of my time, it's a hundred dollars. You know, that that's just, that's how it is. You're honoring that golf pro for his knowledge time. We just say we're paying for it, but let's break it down to the very bottom line is, is what we're doing is we're honoring them with our finances for the knowledge they have. It's the same thing in the kingdom. I'm going to honor that man of God and I'm going to sow seed into his life for what he has that he's imparting to me, for what he's imparting to me. So let me give you a couple pointers here when finding your mentor relationship. Uh, Obviously, number one, it needs to be somebody who is doing what you are called to do or feel called to do or are already doing. Doesn't mean you can't receive wisdom from everyone, but for example, I'm an evangelist, so I want to gain knowledge from other evangelists that are much more successful than I, meaning I want to know what they know about evangelism. It would not be necessarily the same thing. I can't go speak to a pastor and sit down with them and tell them to give me the ins and outs of what I should do with my ministry because although they have a valid and anointed ministry, it is not my ministry. You know, they could give me all kinds of wisdom on pastoring, but they're not going to be get, be able to give me uh, information on evangelism unless they've done it. So that's why the per, number one, the person you're seeking out needs to be someone who is doing at a far greater level what you are called to do or are already doing. Number two, you should be prepared for that person with pr- proper questions, which shows your engagement. It's not just sit down and, hey, tell me what you know. Show me what you have questions prepared. It shows that you're already expectant for what they have, but it also shows that you're organized and that you have a goal or something you're working towards that you need clarity on, as well as the fact it helps them minister to you because, you know, if you just say, tell me what you know, you know, like, well, about what? I know a lot of things. What do you want to hear about? And then when you come back with specific things, well, specifically, for example, for me, I want you to tell me something about crusade evangelism, or I want you to tell something, tell me something about running the finances of a ministry as it grows, or, you know, whatever it might be, but come prepared with questions, 
Come prepared with questions. And then number three, come prepared with a seed. Come prepared with a seed. Don't expect them to pour out into you all this knowledge and then you to put you know a $50 bill or a $100 bill in their hand. Come with a significant seed that shows that you value what they're pouring in. So the first relationship you must have in your life to succeed is the mentor relationship, the impartation from the top down relationship. The second relationship that you must have in order to continue to succeed is you've got to have what would be called that uh, friendship or a peer relationship, if you will. Uh, another way to call it would be, um, you know, you, you need confidants. Now, these are not people that are above you. These are not people that are below you. These are people on your level. These are people that you're, are your contemporaries, your peers. And the Bible says this in the book of Proverbs, as iron sharpens iron, so a friend sharpens a friend. So Paul had Gamaliel above him, Christ above him, but at the same time, Paul also had Peter. And although they didn't agree all the time, uh, Paul and Peter were contemporaries. They were doing the same type of thing, although to different crowds or different people. One was an apostle to the Gentiles. Another was an apostle to the Jews, the Bible says. So although different people groups they were focusing on, they were doing the same type of ministry at the same time. They were contemporaries. So you need to have people around you. We call them confidants, peers, friends. You need to have people that you can be close with that are going to help you. They're going to build you up. They're going to encourage you, encourage your faith. Doesn't mean that you need 30 people around you, 30 friends. Listen, if you have friends that you can count on one hand that stick with you, you're doing very well. I mean, if you have them on two hands, you're blessed. But I mean, if you've got four or five close friends that will stick with you, I'm not talking about people that you say hi to once every couple of months. I'm about people that are in your life, encouraging you, people that are building you up. You know, they're not there to impart to you like mentors are. They're there to encourage you. They're there to be with you, to talk things out. They're there to uh, give you maybe fresh ideas as you guys brainstorm together, Um, you know, things like that. And they're, they're there to sharpen you. So, you know, it's interesting. I love having people in my life uh, that sharpen me, you know, and there's certain friends that I have that anytime I sit down and have a conversation with them, I could talk to them on the phone for hours. I'm thinking of guys in my life right now that, you know, I don't call and spend hours on the phone with everybody, but when I do, it's people that I know are there to sharpen me. They're, they're there on my level. I receive from them. I, I, I'm encouraged by them. Um, you know, built up by what they have to say. Their their revelation of the word of God sparks something in me, you know, and it goes in that direction. So number one, the mentor relationship, impartation from above. And then there's the uh, friendship peer or um, confidant relationship. That's where iron sharpens iron. See, because mentors are not called to be your friends. In fact, they would lose their position of authority to minister to you if they became too familiar with you because familiarity breeds contempt. So you're not there to become familiar with your mentor because 
understand how a mentor is different than a friend. A mentor has to be able to direct you and correct you at any given time. If you become too familiar with your mentor, then you lose respect for them and don't have the ability to receive correction from them. And that's where that relationship breaks down and it's no longer any good to you. So a mentor will keep a separation from you and keep a certain formality between you because your mentor is not your friend. They're They're there to correct you, direct you, and impart to you. And so they're not there to hang with you and go out to eat and do it. That's not, you know, and you may do that every once in a while. You may golf with your mentor. You might go out to eat some at some point, but it's not going to become buddy, buddy. And so never expect it to become buddy, buddy. That's not what that relationship is for. That relationship is there to guide you, to lift you higher, to give you impartation. But then with your friendship relationships, these are people. See, they don't have to correct you. They're not there to correct you. So it's it's a different type of relationship, which is why it's okay to become more familiar with your friends and to, you know, be able to hang out with them, spend time with them, chill with them, you know, brainstorm with them, whatever, is because the relationship has a different function than a mentor relationship does. And so that's the place that where you can spend time with people, hang, talk, be real, you know, just relax, let your guard down and be friends, be true friends, you know, and those are needed because iron sharpens iron and you need friends that will sharpen you. One of the main mistakes many Christians make is surrounding themselves with friends that don't sharpen them. In fact, they dull their blade. And I think we've dealt with that in the past, but you don't need to be around people that dull your blade. You need to be around people that sharpen you. So be very discerning about who you allow to be your friend in your life. And so you've got the number one, the mentor relationship, impartation from above. Then you have the friend, peer, or uh, confidant relationship, and they're on your level. They're not above you. They're on your level. And they're there to sharpen you and to encourage you. But then the third relationship that you must have is, uh, I guess you would call it the mentee (laughs) relationship. And that's where you become a mentor to someone that's below you. Uh, Somebody that, that you're far beyond where they are, but now you can take the experience and the knowledge and all that you've been built up with where you're at and become a help to somebody else. You see? So in the first relationship, mentor, you're receiving. In the second uh, relationship, the friend, you're fellowshipping. But in the third relationship for the mentee where you become the mentor, you're imparting. So you're receiving, you're fellowshipping, and then you're imparting. So Paul also had that. Paul had Gamaliel and Jesus that were imparting to him, mentoring. Then he had Peter and others who were his contemporaries or his friends, his peers. And then he had Timothy and Titus and men like that, that he was imparting to, that he was their spiritual father. You understand? And so these were guys that he's writing letters directly to them, instructing them about what they should be doing and should not be doing. So it's a full cycle. You're being imparted to, then you're encouraging others and you're able to have friendships and then you are then imparting to others 
and there brings the full circle of, of fulfillment in your life because you don't just feel like you're receiving all the time and you also don't just feel like you're hanging out all the time, but then you begin to get that sense of fulfillment because you're also helping others to obtain their purpose and to fulfill their goals in life. And so you're called to also help others as you grow. There will always be people behind you. There'll always be people with you. And there'll always be people ahead of you. And how you handle each of those positions is extremely important. Because let me give you an example. If you then try to become the mentor to people on your own level that are supposed to be your contemporaries, your friends, your peers, they're going to become offended because you're now operating outside of the function of that relationship the way it should be handled. You know, it, it would be it would be wrong, you know, for me. Let's just let's take for example, uh, you know, somebody that's in my life that was you know, basically my age doing what I'm doing at my at my level or a little higher or a little lower whatever, but they're my friend, they're on my friend level. For me to call them up and try to become their spiritual father would be just completely out of place. And they'd probably think to themselves, what is he doing? He really thinks a lot of himself to call me up and act like he's my spiritual father and try to give me direction and correction. No, even even when I call somebody up, unless the Lord specifically gives me a heavy warning for someone, if I got somebody that's a friend of mine or somebody that's my contemporary on my level, I don't call them up with words of correction. I mean, unless they were to ask me, you know, what do you think? What I do is I call them with encouragement and I call them with suggestion. Words of suggestion are different than words of correction. I would say, you know, hey, have you ever thought about maybe doing this? I mean, I know you, you know, and, and in rare, let me tell you something. Rarely do I do that stuff because I don't, I don't get involved with other people's purpose or calling unless they ask me. And really that's the best practice because as I mentioned before in the analogy, Unless somebody's asking you, most people want to be left alone, you know, with that, with how they're doing it. They don't need somebody coming in and trying to get them to change their whole thing. Uh, so unless I'm asked, I never really say anything to people. But when they ask, it opens the door for you then to have authority to speak. But you don't have authority to speak into a contemporary unless they ask you. And so it would be wrong for me to try to teach a mentor. It would be wrong for me to try to uh, mentor a friend. But uh, when it comes to that third relationship, people God's placed in your life, like Paul had Timothy, Paul had Titus and others. These are the areas where God's going to now use what he's placed in you to raise somebody else up and to help somebody else. And so if you don't have that, all you're getting is poured into all the time, then you you feel unfulfilled because you don't have any outlet where you're actually producing for the kingdom and helping someone else. So this third area is actually very important where you're taking the time and you'll know because they'll contact you. They'll contact you with questions. And, and here's the other thing that I'll leave you with before we pray is that if nobody's contacting you, and nobody's seeking you out for instruction, you might want to re-examine the fruit that you're producing of your life because it is fruit that people that drives people to you to figure out how did they do that. It's not how long you've been alive. It's not it, it's none of those things. It's what is the fruit of your life producing. 
And then when you start producing fruit that people will see, they're going to come to you and say, Hey, I saw you did this and this. How did you do that? What's the, what, what, you know, nobody, let me just tell you something before I started writing books and releasing them. No one asked me anything about, do you have any tips for writing books? Do you have any tips for printing, publishing books or none of that? But let me tell you, the moment I started releasing books and and, and becoming an author, I can't tell you how many people I've had probably a hundred or more people call me, text me. Hey, I really feel like I have a book on the inside of me. Do you have any tips of what should I do to write this book? What should I do to publish this book? What should I do to, how should I lay this book out? Let me tell you, when you start producing fruit, people come out of the woodwork to ask you questions. Why? Because you've already done it, which puts you in a position where others who have not done it are now behind you and you have the ability to help them and bring them where they are called to be. So understand where these three relationships should be in your life and value them all equally and make sure you stay in the function of each relationship properly. Your mentor, your friends, and your mentee. People that are under you, people that are on your level, people that are above you, make sure that you're keeping them in the proper place and honoring and respecting each one as God's called you to do. When you do this properly, it brings a total fulfillment into your life. You have a sense of accomplishment and for your purpose because God's called us all to do these things. It's not just for ministers. God will use you, you know, whether you're in business, whatever you're doing, God will use you to help to raise other people up to be an encouragement to those around you and to receive from those above you. I want to pray. See, this final prayer that I want to pray before we close the episode today is this. I want to pray that God, number one, opens up to you and reveals to you a mentor that can help you go higher because we do need impartation, uh, puts the proper relationships in your life for friendships and removes the improper ones. And then as you produce fruit, God opens the door for you to train other people's up, uh, other people up and to raise them up in their calling and in their purpose. So let's pray. Father, in Jesus' name, for every person listening to this podcast today, I want to ask you, Lord, that you would reveal to them and open to them uh, a mentor that would help them in their calling or raise them up to where you've called them to be and called them to go. Number two, I want you to please send them proper friends, the right in connections that'll bring encouragement and value into their life. And those that are in their life now that are really stealing value and dulling their blade, Lord, remove those people. Let them move away. Let them drop off or fall to the wayside, lose their phone number. We don't have time for our purpose to be wasted. But then, Lord, as we produce fruit for the kingdom, use us to raise up others under us, younger people that are coming up that will continue to also produce fruit for the kingdom. We thank you for it. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. Listen, I want to say thanks so much for listening to the podcast. I'm so glad to be back. And um, listen, tomorrow, Worship Wednesday podcast will be out. I got a really good one for you tomorrow uh, on that podcast as well. Take a minute to share this on your social media, and uh, I'll talk to you again tomorrow. But don't forget, until next time, goodness and mercy are following you for the rest of your life. I'll talk to you later. We would love for you to join us in a live service. To find out when Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. will be near you, please visit our website at www.miracleword.com.